You're listening to The Q's Podcast, episode 117. Thanks for tuning in to our latest show. Whether you're listening from your car, your home, or your office, we are grateful to you for joining us. As you know, this show is where you can hear credit union industry leaders and cross-industry experts provide a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. My name is Lisa Hograff, Senior Editor for Cues and our Credit Union Management Magazine. I'm really excited about today's guests who hail from Cues Solutions Provider, DDJ Myers. But before I introduce them and today's topic in more detail, let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor, Cues Solutions Provider, CU Members Mortgage. Since 1982, CU Members Mortgage has provided expert mortgage solutions to credit unions and CUSOs nationwide. Over these years of service, we've collaborated with hundreds of credit unions to create a refined program to assist credit unions of any size with any need. Your credit union can leverage a vast product list, retained servicing, and leading-edge technology solutions to increase income and build a more satisfied membership base. Plus, training and marketing support ensure you are one step ahead. Find out more at www.cumembers.com. Equal housing lender, CU Members Mortgage is a division of Colonial Savings, FA, NMLS 401-285. It's not surprising that pretty much everything we talk about in life or on this show these days is taken in the context of the pandemic. In this episode, we talk about mergers, including what to expect as vaccination rates rise and the economy reopens. Our two guests have a great vantage point on this discussion, as they spend a lot of their time with directors and CEOs, both inside boardrooms and out. They are Didi Myers and Peter Myers. Didi has more than a few letters behind her name, including PhD. She is CEO of DDJ Myers, based in Phoenix. Also joining us is DDJ Myers Senior Vice President, Peter. Didi and Peter have regular conversations with top industry leaders about strategy, organizational alignment, and vision. In this show, they expertly respond to questions about how to pave the way to a merger conversation, what needs to be done after a merger to truly complete the process and enable the emerging new organization to take shape, what to be cautious about when considering a merger, and how Didi and Peter stay in forward-thinking mode, which is so key to their work. You might want to note that Didi and Peter's podcast from just over a year ago, How to Smash a CEO Interview, had a remarkable response. You can listen to it at cumanagement.com slash podcast 73. I expect you're going to find a lot of value in what Didi and Peter have to say about mergers. Let's get started. Welcome to the show, Didi and Peter. Good to be here, Lisa. Thanks for having us today. Yeah, excited to be back. Thanks for having us. Didi and Peter, as the economy reopens after an extended period of various states of closure during the pandemic, getting going and getting growing again are on the top of many credit unions priority lists. So what do you anticipate in 2021 compared to 2020? 
for merger and acquisition activity? That's a great question. You know, as we're preparing for a strategic planning event this coming weekend, and we had one um, just a couple of weeks ago, mergers are back on the radar for a lot of organizations. And let me first put it in to a historic context. You know, prior to the Great Recession, there was, you know, roughly like 300 mergers a year, high 200s, et cetera. But then after the Great Recession, it, it dipped down for a little while. And I think that's what we've been experiencing. You know, last year is 136 mergers in 2020. I think it's going to pick back up in 2021, but we're also thinking beyond because the marriage of a merger, it takes time. There's courting. So I don't think it's, you know, it's not banks. We're not for-profit companies where you can just go in with a hostile takeover. It takes time. So I think 2021 and beyond, it's back on everyone's radars. One of the things we did notice, though, in some of the strategic planning conversations is those that had an appetite for acquiring have and paused last year, their appetite is now more fortified. Right, they're seeing more opportunity to go out there and partner with other organizations. Those that were saying, no, we're going to go it alone, we've evaluated mergers. And I had one client that put it seriously on the table. Hey, maybe we should just merge up because it's going to be too difficult with what we thought was going to happen with financial services last year. But they're coming out stronger than they've ever been. And so they're, they're doubling down. So your question in terms of what's going to happen in the next year or two, I think we're going to see those mergers, you know, pick back up and those organizations that have fortified their balance sheets and fixed some of their operations and um, were able to trim some of the expense. I think they're doing well. And I think they're going to continue to move forward as an organization until, until the next major thing captivates their attention for a merger opportunity. I really appreciate your perspective, Peter. I know that you and Didi are both in boardrooms on a regular basis, talking with leaders of credit unions. And so you have a feel for what they're thinking and what they're experiencing all the time and in these crazy times in particular. So I'm curious, based on your experiences in the boardrooms, what are five ideas on paving the way for merger conversations? Uh, first one is a start by building trust. So when when two CEOs have built a relationship and start to trust each other, it's much easier to get into the merger conversation. The boards will actually build trust faster with each other and be in the kind of dialogue that will create a meaningful relationship. So that's building trust. Also, we're hearing from uh, the research we did, Linda Helping Hand. I'm going to give an example of Penair during the uh, hurricanes. They went out and helped um, other credit unions who had issues with their buildings and their ATMs because of the hurricane. They lent other credit unions their bus, which is the mobile ATM. So it's uh, being good partners in the region is what Bob Jacobson says. Third is provide expertise and business support. You know, one credit union established at CUSO to deliver underwriting services to smaller financial credit unions who had that business but weren't able to do the underwriting. Uh, the fourth one is offer system solutions. Core conversions are costly and time-consuming. So if a credit union is locked into an old core system that can't grow and take on additional volume, and it's uh, harder for the smaller credit union to take that do that investment, then uh, the larger credit union can help. Uh, that's one way to do that. And the last one is steer away from cold calls. You know, so this also goes back to the first one, building trust. 
cold calls take longer and are much harder, sometimes fail faster in building that uh, relationship to have a good merger or a good acquisition. So just because somebody does a cold call doesn't mean you should move it into action. So uh, just, just make sure you're building the trust there first. And those were the five ideas from the research. Didi, I wonder if the research that you're speaking of is published somewhere that our listeners could access it. Absolutely, Lisa. Check our website out. Please look for three white papers. There was so much research. We uh, segmented into three different white papers. So uh, please take white paper number one, number two, and number three, and you'll get the full story. That's wonderful. That's a great resource. I will put the link in the show notes, listeners, if you want to look for it there. I love the ideas that you're presenting about credit unions collaborating with other credit unions as a way to first just have cooperatives working together, but then also pave the way for merging together and continuing to work together to better serve members. Those are a really great set of steps. So what about the post-merger phase? What is important at that juncture? Yes. Yeah, so, so when you're thinking about post-merger phase, a lot of a lot of organizations, they really look for that goal, that end zone, that touchdown of, okay, the letter of intent is signed, merger agreement then gets signed. One of those, we're so excited, slam dunk, but then that further cultural integration, not just the technological integration, but cultural and operational integration really needs to be worked out prior to us having a big celebration. I'm just going to give you a real simple example, not an organization we worked with, but I remember a number of years ago, a couple of large organizations, they were they were merging and their boards were just kind of combined. And, and I'm obviously very paraphrasing, well, we've got X number of board members, you've got the same number of board members, let's just combine our boards and then, you know, we'll, we'll figure out the board, you know, representation afterwards, so that way we have equal representation. Years later, they still had the same amount of board members. And it was a high, high, high number of board members pushing the limits. And so they never faced into that conversation. And so there still ended up being, because there was that equal representation on the board of those two organizations, there still felt like there was an us and them and not a third organization or a third representation. So boards, from an example, they have to evaluate, look, let's be clear. Are we the are we going to be the continuing board? Like we are acquiring so-and-so and yes, we're bringing on one board member. And so therefore, like they've got to, for lack of a better word, like assimilate into us. Let's just get clear about that. So the standards and expectations are clear. Or do we need to, if we're an MOE or we're going to, we're going to fold in um, and have joint representation Maybe we need to talk about creating a third board, like a third identity, and so that that governance structure gets reevaluated, looked at, what's going to best serve us moving forward. From a management team, one of the things, you know, I read a number of uh, bank uh, merger announcements, and I remember one, I'll never forget it. The CEO said, uh, yeah, we don't need two CEOs, end quote, or sorry, two CFOs, end quote. And it was like, wow, okay, you couldn't have said it more clearly, right? In terms of what they're looking to do. A lot of credit unions, they feel very differently though, right? They want to they want to acquire talent. They want to find those spots for um, those executives that are coming in, for example, if it's an acquisition standpoint. But, you know, the weird, you know, weird or the difficult thing uh, that we have to pay attention to is, well, those individuals, maybe there's a spot for them, but maybe that's not what they're looking for. 
And so to be presumptuous that we can say, hey, Didi, we're going to we've got a great spot for you and you're going to love it and presume that you are Didi are going to love it and give it your all. We got to pay attention to that. So there's some cultural strategic alignment items that we need to work out well, well, well ahead of time while some of the integration, technological integration is happening. And maybe when we're working with our clients, we like to map as much of that out ahead of time as we can, because we don't want those deals to get killed because of one person's job security. We're looking for the best thing for the membership. I'm really glad you addressed that timeline. Uh, I wondered after I phrased the question being about post-merger and after the merger is approved, it almost seemed like some of this conversation needs to happen before you decide that you're actually going to proceed. Like it seems like a, as much of an advanced conversation, even though it, they are things that will take effect after. Yeah, if, if, I'm, if I can see myself in the future of this organization playing an integral role to the advancement of the priorities, you better believe my support is going to be more wholeheartedly than if, no, Peter, we'll figure out a spot for you afterwards, right? I mean, that is a huge risk and, and my orientation is not going to be in the right place. It might be more in self-preservation versus advancing the cause. Getting buy-in sounds like an important issue as well. Peter and Didi, what words of caution do you have for people when they're considering a merger? What things can go wrong? And are there times when credit unions should choose another option besides merging? I'll jump in on that. And then, Peter, why don't you uh, pick up from there? You know, so uh, for the research, and I agree with all these ideas or, there's, or thoughts, is there, there were four or five that stood out, Lisa. Uh, and I wholeheartedly believe that credit unions should have a strategic planning scenario about strategic growth, whether they're proactively interested or not. If somebody comes knocking on the door and they've got a, a really good idea about collaboration in the industry or merging or whatever, you're better prepared for that if you've done that work up front. So we, we encourage that as part of strategic planning. If not, sometimes pursuing mergers and acquisitions are for the wrong reason. We hear so much that when somebody does get a call, the first answer is, yeah, we'll talk to them as long as our chair and our CEO is a, a surviving chair and the CEO. To me, that's the wrong reason. We, we shouldn't be talking about who the survivor is, you know, the CEO or the board chair. It should really be about the synergies between the two organizations to unlock parallel value for the, the membership. It really should be what is the membership going to see in terms of additional value? What's going to go on in the community? Not just about the chair and the CEO. It has to be about how are we going to add more value? So that's number one. Number two, we see credit unions tending to wait too long to be in the merger or acquisition conversation. What happens is, this is Bob Burrow from Bear Heritage uh, Credit Union. He says, some credit unions wait too long to preserve merger, and it's better if these uh, institutions consider a merger when they're healthy rather than waiting until the NCUA designates them as troubled. Because you had the negotiation on part of the membership from a troubled perspective is clearly different than from a healthy perspective. That's the second one. The third one is 
if the board or culture doesn't align, it's okay to say no. We want to make sure that the board and culture are going to align. Otherwise, it's an uphill battle. So some of that work needs to be done ahead of time. So if you're just merging to get bigger and you're, that's the wrong reason. I mean, it's a good reason to take care of sustainability, but the board culture and the organization culture needs to align as well. We did a couple of clients last year and, you know, hey, let's just put this topic on the table, right? That's what they wanted to talk about and just bat it around and see what comes of it. And at the, at the outcome was we're clear about what is important to us. And even, even then it's like, wow, we feel so validated in that what we had declared was our strategic vision for the organization actually came back on top again as the reason why we should exist as an organization. So we just went through a scenario of maybe this could be a better option, but actually, no, this thing we were originally committed to still is the most important piece. I like that, Peter, because it deepened the conversation. It also created higher level consciousness in the boardroom, the executive team. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? And are we doing it for the right reasons? You know, when Didi said earlier, like, we got to have these advanced conversations. What are our priorities? What's important to us? I'm going to go back like maybe seven, eight years ago where we were brought in to uh, facilitate this merger conversation. What do we want? We want to merge up. We don't want to be a credit union anymore. We want to merge up. It's hard, et cetera. We don't have the resources, compliance, et cetera. And so I remember just as clear as day, one of the board members was upset about having to dedicate a whole day to have this conversation because he felt like the decision was already made. Like, I don't want to be a board member anymore. Why do I have to take a day off of work in order to do this? Bah humbug, right? And, and I'll never forget that at the end of the day, when we started speaking about the opportunity for their membership and their staff in the go forward situation with the merger partner, he was like, well, I want to be on that board. I want to be on that. I'm excited about this. We'll call him Sean. Okay. And Sean, and I was like, but Sean, you just said you didn't want to even be here today. You think the requirements in the future are going to be easier? Or he's like, well, this sounds more fun. And I, and I just, so, you know, as, as best as I possibly could in that moment, hey, Sean, look, you know, and the rest of the board, let's be clear about what we're up to and what got us into this moment. And so writing down those conversations, writing down what is important to us, why we are committed to doing what we're doing ahead of time. So we can then reference that document and go have it stare it back to a face when we just get excited about the shiny, the shiny object in front of us. Yeah. So creating that vision of the future and then the, that board member, Sean, we're calling him, started leaning into it. So Didi and Peter, I love how forward thinking both of you are, not just in this conversation about mergers, but also in previous conversations that we've had about succession planning and becoming a CEO or deciding to go for a CEO job. So many times you've described things you can do now to lay the groundwork for a successful future. Do you guys have a set of principles or ideas that you follow that help keep you in this forward thinking mode that you could share here and credit union leaders that are listening might be able to emulate? Yeah. Thinking about the future is a difficult task and and it's probably even more, it's cumbersome, it's hard and it's taxing. And then to even do it well takes years and years of experience. But there are some people, and I'm going to put Didi in this category, that have insight or vision into the future that is beyond what most people can see. And it's because they, they see possibilities where others do not. And, and Didi's been doing that since we started, since she started the company in 1989. 
And through each economic cycle or recession, you know, we're in our own DDJ strategic planning process. What's next? What's next? And she's just got these visions. And, and you know, I'll even say this and people that know me and DD, they, they can kind of get it. Or I, I'll be like, that's nuts. Are you kidding me? Right. And that's my first reaction. Right. And then what? She keeps taking me to school because these things keep coming to pass. And what I've learned over the years, I still got a lot of time to learn this is, well, there is something in that. I Just because I can't envision it doesn't mean that it's not a valuable conversation for us to have or to contemplate. And that's, that's actually what we work with boards on. That's what we're working with a board on tomorrow. Just because we can't touch that future in this moment because I don't understand it, doesn't mean that we couldn't, we shouldn't simmer in it and really see what could come out of it. That's really um, helps us and our company and everyone in our company organize around, okay, we need to keep coming up with rich and relevant content. We're constantly innovating and doing new things because we're, we're trying to see where, where the, our clients need and want to go and how can we be partners in relationship with them and for their particular causes. And so, you know, sometimes in our team, you know, all right, let's standardize this process so that we can, you know, make it more efficient. And then all of a sudden we start blowing it up and creating a new thing. I mean, that's just kind of how we roll. It's like a, like an entrepreneurial, um, you know, startup. One of our clients said, it's like, you're a startup. You see, you operate like a startup, but you've been doing it for 32 years now. Well, applying that to our clients is helping them see what's possible down the road for their members, right? And imagining that future and, and being really big in it. And we enjoy it. We enjoy it. It impresses me again and again how forward thinking the two of you are. And I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts specifically on mergers today, but also these big picture ideas on forward thinking and planning for the future. Thank you, Didi and Peter, for joining us today and sharing your wisdom. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Lisa. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the Q's podcast. Thanks very much to Didi and Peter for being our guests on the show today. What a wealth of information they brought with them. You can find DDJ Myers on the web at ddjmyers.com. Our thanks also go out to CU Members Mortgage for sponsoring this show. Both DDJ Myers and CU Members Mortgage are Q Solutions providers. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a Q Solutions provider, a Q supplier member, or just how to sponsor Q's content, please email Carrie at Q's.org. That's K-A-R-I at Q's.org. Find the show notes for this podcast and a full transcript when you visit cumanagement.com slash podcast 117. There is a lot of other credit union specific content on cumanagement.com as well. If you're interested in diversity, equity, and inclusion, please click on the orange banner at the top of the page. If you're a Q's member, you have access to invaluable membership benefits to further enhance your development, many of which are available virtually. Visit cues.org membership to learn more. Thanks again for listening today. Q's is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs executives, directors, and future leaders. To learn how Qs can help you realize your potential, visit qs.org today.